Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak. Advice can come in many forms, and this time, it's a baker's dozen. 13 of the most common delivery mistakes by speakers. Deirdre Van Nest has lived these and learned. So listen and improve your speaking techniques by taking to heart these points from Deirdre. I'm going to start with mistake number one, and these are not in any order of egregious. Is that the word, Patrice? It's not that one is less egregious than 13. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put it that way. So mistake number one is sounding preachy. Have you ever been in, in someone's audience where you just feel like they're like pointing a finger at you? You do not want to sound preachy. However, you do want to talk as if you were just talking to one person. You want to give your opinion and you want to give your advice. So how do you do that without sounding preachy? Well, I'm going to give you a way to do that. So don't say something like, I know you're thinking this, or I know you feel angry when this happens because most audience members don't want to be told how they think or feel. However, in many cases, you do know how they think and feel because your clients are telling you this. And these, these people in your audience are your clients. So in order to say, you know how they think and feel without saying, you know how they think and feel, you would say something like, you know what? If you're like most people, you feel really frustrated when prospects make you chase them down, don't you? Or if you're like most of my clients, when someone says they're going to show up for a meeting and then they don't, that makes you angry. Or if you're like me, when you go to a restaurant and they serve you a meal that isn't the way you ordered it, you, you, you feel disappointed. So do you see there, Patrice, how I'm not telling them this is how you feel? But I am telling them this is how you feel, but doing it in a non-preachy way. Yeah, you're softening it and you're also identifying it, identifying with it. So you are identifying with them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So mistake number one is sounding preachy. Mistake number two is moving without a purpose, aka the sway or the pace. <laughs> Okay. And this is, I mean, I get it. This is a really, really hard one. And I want to say this caveat using uh, choreographing your movement on the stage is a very advanced speaking. You know, this is something that develops over time, but I just want to put it on your radar that you don't want to move without a purpose. So, you know, don't, don't sway. Um, don't be pacing back and forth while you're talking. So then you're thinking, all right, well, give me some basics on when to move. Okay. So, so your basics on when to move is move when you're making a new point or if you're telling a story and there's movement in the story. So let me give you a couple of examples. If I were to say to you, come back with me to May 24th, 1980, and that's how I open up one of my signature stories, come back with me to May 24th, 1980. What I do is I move to the past. So I go stage right 
audience left. I actually am walking as I'm saying, come back with me to 1980. So you see how there's a purpose in my movement. The other is stay on, let's say your stage, right? Make your point. And then when you're not talking and you're going to transition to the next point, or as you're saying your transition words, then you can move, say to center stage. But what you don't want to do is be moving back and forth while you're delivering your message. That is very distracting. And then the other tip that I want to give you is unless your content calls for movement in the first, say, two to three minutes of the presentation, like let's say I started my presentation with come back with me to May 24th. What I would do is I take the stage, I take center stage, and then I would start walking to my right, your left saying, come back with me to May 24th. But unless your content calls for movement, stand still. And that doesn't mean you don't move your torso, your upper body, your head, your arms. It means have your feet planted in one spot for the first couple minutes of your presentation that will make you look and feel more confident that must be very difficult to do though to stand and do no movement it's it's hard now and i'm not saying no movement i'm saying no movement with your legs right okay so there's a big difference there if you know me and you know me <laughs> i'm an italian irish new yorker i cannot speak if i don't use my hand and i tend to move my head my arms my body so you can move your torso and the rest of your body but your feet are staying in one spot okay okay so that's mistake number two mistake number three is stepping on thoughts and laughs and we did an amazing episode uh, on the pause. I think, oh, Patrice, I think that's episode 17. I don't know if there's a way for you to check that while Keep talking I, um, while I take a quick look speaking. Okay. So episode 17, I believe is on the power of the pause P A U S E, which is where you pause intentionally so that people can catch up with what you're saying. So let's talk about stepping on thoughts. The way you step on people's thoughts is you ask a question like, did you celebrate Christmas with your family last year? Oh, I didn't because of COVID, right? Like right there, I didn't let you even answer the question or think about your answer to the question because I didn't pause. That's stepping on your thought versus if I said, and this is rhetorical, I'm not even expecting you to respond to me. If I said, did you spend Christmas with your family last year? Right. Well, I didn't because of COVID, right? So notice how I paused for about two beats so that you could actually think. And then I answered. Stepping on laughs is when you get a laugh. And instead of enjoying the fact that you got a laugh and just leaving a moment of pause for the laugh, you jump in, you're ignoring the laugh and you jump into your next point. Number four, and this isn't obvious, I'm going to spend two seconds on this lip syncing with the slides right? It, it's like the, the slides say exactly what you, the presenter are going to say. So if your slides can do the presentation for you, so save yourself and the audience, the trouble, just send people the slides. Let's, let's ditch the lip syncing with the slides. Number five, and then I'll recap these after number five, trying to be perfect. And I say this with a sigh, because this is probably one of my biggest things that I continually tackle as a presenter. Don't try to be perfect. It's so hard. It's so hard, right? Because you do, you want everything to go perfectly. But here's what, here's what I've learned in over a decade of doing this is that people respond much more to connection than perfection. Yeah. So go for connection over perfection. I'm not saying you don't practice. 
I'm not saying you don't do your best, but what I am saying is if you flub a word or even forget what you're going to say next, like don't get down on yourself. You can make a joke about it. It's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. I've gotten my shoe caught, get caught on stage where I literally can't move. I've had, tra- I've had sounds of sounding like train trains going over our head. I mean, all sorts of crazy things have happened. Uh, fire alarms on virtual presentations, evacuations, right? I mean, and it's just, that actually makes them more interesting. <laughs> so don't get hung up on perfection. Okay. So let me recap the first five. The first mistake is don't sound preachy. The second is don't move without a purpose. The third is don't step on thoughts and laughs. The fourth is don't lip sync with your slides. No Millie Vanilli of slides. No, I love Millie Vanilli. Um, five, don't try to be perfect. Six, don't give a monologue. Do not get up there and lecture and give a monologue. Okay, Georgia, well, you're the speaker. How do you not do that? Well, you're going to listen to episodes 17 and 18 because in 17 and 18, I lay out my four-step formula for exactly how to do this, how to engage an audience, whether you're talking for one minute, one hour, or one day. At a very high level, what you want to do is you want to weave stories, analogies, activities, questions, conversation into your content. That will make it sound like an interactive conversation rather than a talking head in a monologue. Seven, speaking to the entire group. Speaking to the entire group is a mistake. So what do you mean by that? What do you, what do you just, you're not, you're not looking at everybody else. No, what you're doing. And my, my mentor, Craig Valentine says, you look at one, but you speak to all you look at one, but you speak to all. And again, in episode 17, I go over this in greater detail. It's called the hallway test. So be looking or listening for the hallway test in episode 17, but here's the concept Patrice. What a lot of presenters do is they group the audience into a group, right? Like ladies and gentlemen are a group. How many of you, some of you, those are everybody, those are groups, but people don't want to be like, yes, we're tribal people. We want to be part of a group, but when someone's speaking to us, we want to feel like they're talking just to us. And I think that, don't you think that's one of the reasons why podcasts have seen such popularity is that right. It's like you're talking to one person. It's so intimate. And so you want to um, replicate that from the stage or when you're on a virtual meeting or um, creating a video, you want the, the, the viewer, the listener to feel like you're talking directly to them. And so you can't use collective like pronouns and terms for people. You want to use the word you, 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 you as much as possible. So you wouldn't say, does everybody have a handout? it would be raise your hand if you need a handout. When, uh, how many of you are going to be going home for the holidays? Because holidays are on my mind right now, clearly. <laughs> how, many, how many of you are going to be home, going home for the holidays? No, not how many of you. There's not such thing as a how many of you. It, it's, a, it's a group of singular use. So are you going home for the holidays? So you wanna practice using statements and asking questions that are, uh, relate to one person. And in episode 17, I give you more direction on that. So mistake number eight is staying at the same level for too long, staying at the same level for too long. So what does that mean? That means you must vary your rate of speech, your tone of voice, the volume of your voice, 
the words that you're emphasizing, you don't want to sound monotone. And uh, one of the grand dames of professional speaking, Patricia Fripp says, sameness, sameness is the enemy of this. So, you know, there, there are really three parts to the speaking stool. It's a three-legged stool. There's content. That's the, that's the information you bring to the table. Then there's the struck. And what makes us different than many other speaking uh, coaching firms and training organizations is that a lot of professional uh, coaches will, or trainers will focus on delivery and delivery is really important. That's why we're talking about it today. But delivery is only uh, in my estimation, about 20% of your success. What's, what's, what's most important is that you structure your words and your ideas in a way that's going to be dynamic and grab attention. But that being said, if you don't do the other 20%, Patrice, that might fall flat. So you have to have, you know, you, you have your content, you have to have a message. Then you've got to be able to take that content. You got to give it curb appeal. As I'd like to say, you got to make it come alive. You got to structure it so that it really, really engages people. But then you got to add that 20% icing on the cake where you are delivering this in a dyna- dynamic way. And one of those, those ways is to make sure you are really varying your tone of voice, your, your volume, your rate of speech. And I don't mean dynamic, like, Hey, dynamic, like that, right? Like that might not be you, but dynamic means movement, right? So you could be a lower key person, right? But you can still have dynamic movement. And so just like, I don't want to be like this for the whole time. I also don't want to be like this for the whole time. Both are exhausting. So the ninth, the ninth delivery mistake is when your facial expressions and your tone of voice or rate of speech do not match your words. Several years ago, many years ago, actually, this was probably about a decade ago, I had two clients, okay? One was talking about something really difficult, like a a sexual assault difficult, very, very difficult. And she had this very sort of -of matter-of-fact, sort of sing-songy, like, just like, you know, this happened this happened type of right tone of voice as if she was talking about the weather and, but that's not unique. Many people, and I have to catch myself too, because, because you can get so used to your own stories that it becomes matter of fact for you, but it's not, it's not your listeners. It's the first time they've heard it. And a lot of us to protect ourselves emotionally, we talk about difficult things in a matter of fact way which I understand. I mean, I, I, I do that also. Um, I, I try not to do it on stage, but I know that I do that and I have to catch myself when I'm on stage. So your, your, your words have to match your, your rate of speech and your tone of voice and your facial expressions have to match. So if you're talking about something difficult, like you need to look upset or look challenged or devastated, whatever it is, your, your, your rate of speech might speed up or slow down, depending on the situation. Um, your volume might go up or go down, but it has to match. I was watching, uh, I was watching a, uh, a client, um, give a presentation and <laughs> he said, I am really passionate about helping you grow your business. <laughs> Sorry. And if you can't see my face right now, like if you're just listening to the audio version, like I just did that with a stone face and I was like, oh no, you're not, no, you're not passionate. I mean, and afterwards I was like, all right, 
okay, yeah, we got work to do because I don't believe you right now and neither does your audience. So you got to ma make sure they're matching. Here's the best way. Here's the, um, I, I just watched, um, we have a new service called Asset Creation where we are actually writing, crafting, identifying, and then coaching on delivery, uh, clients, why stories and desire stories. Like we're actually putting on the white gloves, doing all the heavy lifting. And with one 60 minute interview, you're going to walk out with a masterfully crafted story that you will use as an asset in your business. It, it becomes part of your client development team. And so part of what we do is we teach you how to use it everywhere you communicate. So we give you a video script. So one of my clients uh, just sent me his, his video and Patrice, I literally had tears and chills because he did exactly what we talked about in his delivery session. He didn't retell the story, he relived the story. So his delivery was impeccable. He, he smiled at the right points. He stopped smiling at the right point. He, he had a sad face at the right point. He, it was so beautiful and it's beautiful. Not because he remembered, Oh, Deirdre told me to smile here. It's because he literally tapped into the emotions he was feeling when this happened. And when he did that, he did not, he didn't have to act. Let me ask you a question here though. Can you do that every time or do you burn it out? I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's different. I, I've been doing my same story for, you know, this story about my mom and dad for let's see, 2007. So about five years, uh, do I get sick of that story sometimes? Yes. Do I not always feel like telling it? Cause it's a hard story to tell. Yes. But I do remind myself to really get into the reliving it mode. Have I missed the mark sometimes? I'm sure I have. I'm sure there's been times when I haven't relived it to the degree that I have other times. I, I don't know. I think it's different. And I think if you get to the point where you've burned it out, you need to step away from that story for a while and start telling something new or start delivering new messages. Yeah, definitely. Like a, doing a Broadway play every night. Sometimes you're not as good. Yes, that's exactly that's. And if you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is consistently not as good and I'm really not enjoying this. Like I really it's just really becoming a drag, then it's time to have a different conversation with yourself. Okay. And then the 10th mistake is standing behind a podium or any other type of structure. The last thing you want is to have a structure, a physical barrier between you and your audience. There's already a barrier between you and your audience because you're a speaker. So you're already a little bit removed for them, right? You already have this little bit of like, mm, just differentness or specialness, which you don't really want because you don't want them to think they're different than you. You want them to feel relatable to you. Um, and then putting a physical barrier will absolutely create even more distance. So when uh, me personally, and when I train my speakers, we, we do this so that they do not have to stand behind a podium or any other such structure. So the last five are trying to be perfect, right? Don't try to be perfect. We're going for connection rather than perfection, giving a monologue. You don't want to do that. You don't want to speak to the entire group. You want to speak as if you're talking with one individual. Um, don't stay at the same level for too long. Don't mismatch your facial expression, tone of voice, and rate of speech with your words. And please, whenever possible, and this is 99.9% .9 of the time, I mean, if you're giving a presentation at the White House, maybe this isn't going to work and you kind of want to just go with what, you know, what they're asking you to do. But 99% of the time, you do not need to stand behind a podium. Okay, great. So let's go on to 11. Okay. This one, uh, again, is a very advanced speaking strategy. I'm going to do my best to explain this without having a visual to show you. So Patrice, you might want to ask me some clarifying questions to, to help our, our, our listener. Okay. You want to make sure you're moving your hand in the right direction. Like when you're gesturing, 
or you're moving your body, you want to make sure you're moving in the right direction. So what do I mean by that? Earlier, I talked about moving without a purpose. And the, and the example I gave you is that in my signature story about my mom and dad getting in the car accident, I open it by saying, come back with me to May 24th, 1980. In my case, coming back with me, if I want to show going to the past, I need to move my hand or my body to stage right so that my audience sees it correct for them, which is to their left. What most presenters will do, and this is even highly skilled presenters, is they will say, come back with me and they will move to their left, which is their past, but the audience's future. And it looks weird. So there's a disconnect in the audience's subconscious. They don't know why, because they're not going to be able to pick this up, but there's a disconnect. So what clarifying questions might you need to ask me that someone could be thinking? I just want to make sure that's crystal clear. I, I thought that was very clear. Very clear. So the other way you might use this, and I see uh, presenters doing this all the time, they might say like, we have, you know, three points, there's three things you're going to learn today. And then they might gesture or move in the direction of one, two, three, you have to start from right to left. One is to the right. I mean, two is going to be to the left of the right of the one, right. And then three is going to be to the left of the two. So any chronology any past or future, you have to do it in the viewpoint of the audience, not in your viewpoint. Number 12, don't show up not having done a pre-event interview. I cannot stress how important this is and how many presenters don't do this. And I, for the life of me, I, I don't even know how, I don't know how you do an event without doing this. But I can't tell you the number of hosts that are like, wow, I can't believe how much time you're spending with me to learn about the event, how we're, how it's set up, what our audience is challenged with. You want to do, and whether this is virtual or in person, you want to do a 30 minute pre-event interview with every single host, whether this is a free or fee speaking engagement. And you want to ask about the things like the room setup. You want to know how it's set up. You want to ask about microphones. You want to ask about who's introducing you and when you want to ask who should you turn the program over to. You want to ask about when there were breaks. You want to ask about what, you know, the challenges that this group has, the, the goals, the theme for the meeting. If you're on a tech platform, you want to ask what's the platform? Is it a webinar or a meeting? Can I use chat? Can I use polls? Can I use the Q and a room? Like you want to know all the ins and outs. And if it's on a tech platform and it's a new platform, like I have a gig coming up, we've practiced multiple times on this new tech platform. And that's like, that's part of what I build into my fee, right? I'm not, they're not paying me more for that. That's part of me being a professional professional who's going to like rock the show is I practice and I learn that tech platform until I know it inside and out. And not that I'm the facilitator, they will have facilitators there to help me in the background, but I need to know my part and know my way around that platform so that the, the, the experience for the viewer and the user is seamless. Not only that, it makes you more comfortable. You can focus on oh, you, your presentation. I mean, that's the thing. If you, you can't be confident without doing this, you just can't. You, the last thing you ever want to do is go in guessing. And, 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 and it, it, here's a perfect example. A couple of years ago, I was at a presentation. Uh, I was at a conference and I was watching someone else's presentation and she didn't know about this pre-event interview. So the room before, like the group before her was a panel, Patrice. So up on the podium was a long table with four chairs. This was not a big stage. So basically the, 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 the table and the chairs took up the entire stage 
the presenter had to stand shoved in the corner behind the table. Oh, that's not good. No, with nowhere to move because she didn't realize she could ask them to reset the stage for her. I'm sorry. I think I think that would be a natural thing to say. I don't know. And this is a very intelligent person. This is I honestly this is an intelligent person. And she was like, I didn't realize I could like ask them to change it. But you know what? I think a lot of speakers don't realize that they think, well, they're telling me I have to use a podium. I can't ask for anything different. You absolutely can. You can say, I don't use a podium here. I mean, we have requirements that I send with my um, AV requirements. And I was doing, I, I do that when I speak for free. And I was doing, you know, like I was doing that back when I wasn't like highly paid for this. And the way I put it is I want your audience to have the best experience possible. It's not about you being a diva. It's about your audience having the best experience possible. This is what I need to make that happen. So as long as you're respectful, you absolutely can ask for what you need. Not something that's out of bounds of what they could give you. Don't be like, I need, you know, I need my own set of risers and blah, 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 blah. Unless like that's part of the gig, but she could have said, okay, what's the setup going to be? And they could have said, oh, well, the group before you is a table, six foot table with four chairs. She could have said, okay, great. If I'll need that taken down before I get on the stage and I'll just need a small table that I can set my water and my, you know, my glasses on. And then I need a, um, a lavalier mic 13 last, but not least last, but not least is that episode I did on the pause. What was that episode number, Patrice? It's Where 14, we... okay, 14. Oh, okay, episode 14. Uh, I know I mentioned the pause earlier when I was talking about not giving a monologue. That's just part of it. But the pause in general is probably one of the biggest delivery mistakes I see my clients making is not appropriately utilizing the pause. So please listen to episode 14, where you are going to learn more than you've probably ever heard on the types of pauses and how to pause because adding the appropriate pauses into your presentation is one of the key factors in knocking your presentation out of the park. And I must say it is a masterful episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I have a bonus. I have a bonus delivery. Don't. I'm giving a 14 as a delivery don't. Okay. My baker's dozen out the window. Oh, okay. <laughs> sometimes if the baker really likes you, they'll add in an extra one. <laughs> All right. Is, you know, nothing is going to impact your delivery more than not being prepared. That will, that will disrupt your delivery, like nobody's business. And so, um, I, I talked about this. I touched on this in episode 21 on how, how I went from free to fee, but it, it bears repeating here when I work with clients and this is what I do for myself. We, we write out our presentations, we practice it, we practice it again, we practice it again and again and again and again until we internalize the message so that it doesn't even remotely sound rehearsed, memorized, contrived. It is such a natural part of how we're communicating that it's just, it's, it, it, it's really, it's, it's from the heart and it's from the heart because we wrote it, but now it sounds spoken from the heart. Once you, once you have that part down, then like the sky's the limit and you can truly be crazy, crazy good. Did you identify with any of those mistakes? Well, I offer one more. Don't make the mistake of missing any episodes of Deirdre's podcast. Follow or subscribe and comment 
we'd like to hear from. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.